Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, review our podcast. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes, and alongside me is Adam Hall. We're brought to you by Bet Online. Get the latest odds and lines and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, include live betting and your favorite casino card games available to play right from your phone. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And Adam, I mean, man, 28-6, Kent State. But I I put this tweet out. I I can't remember – the last time the SEC as a whole has kind of struggled the first two weeks. And I know Georgia's doing the Georgia thing against that weak schedule. Um, I, I, you know, but you cap it off with the Texas win over Alabama. And I know this resonates with Arkansas fans, but how much arrogance do you think the Texas fans have today, knowing one, they're coming into the SEC next year? But more so, they can kind of claim, did they end the Bama and, and the Nick Saban dynasty? Yeah, um, one of the texts I sent out in my sports group chat with some buddies was, Texas could lose out the rest of the season, and their fans will still stick yep. their hat on going into Tuscaloosa and winning. It does not matter what happens the rest of the season. Um, you know, we saw it even with um, – the players after the game when they were celebrating that, you know, uh, that they're ready for the SEC, the SEC is not ready for them, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I get it. Um, you have every right to say that to an extent. I mean, no, you didn't beat Georgia and they're at the top of the SEC, but um, you still went into Tuscaloosa and you beat Nick Saban in Texas. And, and I told you before the season that – with all the negativity surrounding Alabama, with all the stuff that that chip on their shoulder, and they put out that hype video like they're back, they're they're all right, we're down, but we're not out. I said if they don't respond this year and make the college football playoff, or heaven forbid, Texas beats them, and they didn't just beat them. Mm-hmm. This is I can't remember the last time in a non-national championship or or, or playoff setting that Bama was dominated like that. I mean, I told you before we started recording, Quinn Ears makes two more throws, and this was a route. It was a blowout. Mm-hmm. Sayonara. See you later. I mean, it was it was already bad enough as it was, but just to see them, it's almost like Jordan's years with the Wizards, you know, and, and you see a guy going out, your Tiger trying to, you know, do something, and, and after the Masters, you know, still trying to compete, and you know it's they're past their prime, but you just keep it, – it's almost like that's what we're watching with Alabama. But it's uh, it's going to get very interesting, especially with, with the next couple years in the SEC, and that's all you – that's the last thing you want to do is give Texas any kind of motivation coming into the SEC. 
Well, I mean, especially, you know, uh, when that next year's conference schedule was released and Texas being on Arkansas, I mean, everybody, yes. We can talk about when Texas came into Fayetteville and the, was it 40 to 21 or 41 20 win, whatever it was. Um, But that was two completely different teams from where we stand right now. Yeah, that that Um, was. Crazy. You know, if I, uh, I've said, I've been on record or saying that with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC, I mean, now was the time for Arkansas when it came to recruiting um, just to try to take that next level before they get here. And I'm not saying that's not going to happen. It's just nothing that we've seen that's going to show that that's happened and Texas has taken that step. Yeah, and, and moving on back to the Arkansas game, 28-6 over – Kent State, I mean, another kind of struggle when you look at the stats. I mean, it, it was uh, it was a lackluster performance. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, a win's mm-hmm. a win. You won 28-6. Yes, other teams. You, you can slice this and dice this to make it feel how you want to. But when I looked at the game and I watched the game, you played a lesser opponent and you played worse. That you can't, you know, I know you didn't have Rocket Sanders, but I'll tell you what, A.J. Green looked, I mean, he should have got more than 15 touches. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was talking about K.J. Jefferson getting, but he, yes, you're put in a position where K.J. had to take over. You don't need to be doing that against Kent State. And yeah. the fact that people saying, well, we're not doing this and we're not, you shouldn't have to against Kent State. You should run your vanilla defense Base offense, defense, and even with your second team, the second team should have won 28-6 in this setting, you know, and it's just to see not one guy over 100 yards against Kent State. And Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us, too, were, I mean, we expected, I mean, I know you and me had some pretty uh, high scores as well yeah. as the majority of most other people predicting that. I mean, there's a lot of people out there, like, we should be mad if we punt. And then yeah, there we were on the yeah, first possession. Exactly. Three and out, I know. And uh, I, I want to put a disclaimer out there. I did say – I just kept it up because of it was – but I didn't know. I had tuned the game in. I had to stream it. And by the time I got on there, I seen them punting. And I had just assumed that Kent State had went three and out. I didn't realize they'd already had a first down, and it was mm-hmm. in that part of the game. But, you know, then Arkansas goes three and out, and you're like, you know, what's going on? And you couldn't – it's one thing if they stack the box on you and you like you had troubles last week um, against Western Carolina, but when you can't set an edge, you can't you, you can't set your tone on what you're wanting to do in a game against Kent State. I mean, you only had 198 yards total rushing, uh, and then you had um, KJ Jefferson had 136 yards passing, and more so. You didn't get – you weren't able to get K.J. off the field. That's the that's the thing. 13 carries and was getting – I mean, he got hit hard a couple of times. And I think I think we all want to praise that hit last week at him. But he got hit, hit a couple of times. And, you know, you're not just going to be able to let everybody bounce off of you. I know you're yeah. a big guy, but man, I think his ego got a little bit to him this week because he that guy bounced off of him last week. And then you've seen him take a couple of hits like that in yesterday's game, and I'm telling you, you got to be careful when you're playing like that. Yeah, I mean, we saw, I mean, this game, he took out, you know, the strong safety for uh, Kent State, 
with the hit. And I think he took him out a second time later in the game. But there was a couple of hits that KJ took where he didn't hop up like he had been. Um, that, you know, he was getting help from the linemen to help him up, whatever. And there was one time I saw him raise his arm up after they had helped him up, and I thought we were about to see Criswell. Um, but KJ stayed in. But, I mean, against Kent State, especially a team that had just given up 700 yards of offense to UCF, um, you didn't want to see that yesterday. You didn't want to see KJ on his back. Um, and then also, I mean, there were just some dumb penalties. I mean, yes. I know we only had, to think, four penalties, but – you know, third and goal from the one or half yard line even, and you get a delay of game. I mean, I was already having flashbacks at that moment of Texas A&M, but then you just go ahead and throw a false start out there, which, you know, or a delay of game, which I know we ended up scoring, but, you know, it's just not what you wanted to see. Yeah, it, it was just a weird vibe. And maybe it was, you know, you just look at that. There's always that one week in the college football year that's just crazy. And maybe that's – hopefully that's the mulligan. Hopefully that's the one that, all right, let's really shake this this game off and um, just move on to BYU. And BYU doesn't look any better than they did last year. So that's another plus because – you know, you just think about your first game back in Fayetteville. You know, you you got to go down to Little Rock, and you know it's it's crazy they they played better in Little Rock away from Fayetteville than they did yesterday. And it's something that you know you thought they would come out with a little bit more fire, a little bit more passion. And like I told you, if if you're going to want to prove, and again with my standards, you know a lot of people change this and that. I still hold my standards as a nine win team, so I'm going to mm-hmm. judge this game and judge their performance on me expecting them to be a nine-win team. And you didn't meet that expectations. I mean, defense played really good. But there was times where, you know, the first couple of drives, you know, they they were letting get some guys get behind them. There was some balls that, you know, just a little bit of this would have been an SEC caliber team, would those have been touchdowns? So, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. something that, yes, they held them on defense, but, you know, the goal line stand was really, really good. No matter what team you're playing, that was a good – that was probably the bright spot of the defensive day was was that goal line stop because you didn't you didn't give up. You didn't just say, okay, let them score, or they got in the end zone. So that was a big plus. Yeah, there was definitely some plays that Kent State had, some sideline catches, um, some catching runs that I thought that um, if that had been – an SEC opponent could have been taken taken to the house or just taken for a lot bigger of a gain um, just because, you know, we weren't – Kent State's obviously not going to have the speed that we're going to see um, here in a couple weeks. But, you know, I'm, I tip my hat to the defense. I mean, holding the 200 yards, um, you know, we're first, I think, tied for first in the country and turnover differential. Yes. So, I mean, they're getting it done in that aspect. It's just um, – you know, early in the game, that time of possession for Kent State was just crazy, the lopsidedness on it. Yeah, and and again, you know, it's one of the things, it's a, you know, it's not how you start, how you finish, but it's a 28-6 game. I mean, it's just like, that was the, it, it felt like it was 21-14. It just felt like, even though the final score was 28-6, it was like, there was times where it felt like Kent State was in the game. And, and mm-hmm. just because Arkansas wasn't putting the ball in the end zone. And you can't help to think, because we get caught up into this, well, 
you know, these, these scapegoats or these excuses that, well, it's Kent State and, you know, this O-line, I don't know what's going on. And, you know, something I'll kind of want to touch on is the fact that, you know, in my opinion, second game of the season against Kent State, the coach shouldn't be getting to the point where he's getting testy about getting questioned about his team's performance because you should have been able to go out there and dominate. And mm-hmm. when you're making statements like, well, we know we have a left guard and a right guard and we got a running back and a quarterback, you know, we're just trying to piece together a team. Well, y'all weren't saying that two weeks ago when we were hyping up, saying this team's got depth and we're going to have the best offense. We're going to, you know, and you've, you're basing this off of games against Western Carolina and Kent State. You know, you didn't go to two war games with LSU or Mississippi State or Alabama. You're coming to this conclusion after two games against Kent State and Western Carolina, and that's concerning. And I think as, as media, they sh- what, what do you expect the media to do? Sit back, not ask the questions as in, this is what we've seen from the game. Hey, we got LSU in two weeks. Or mm-hmm. wait till the wheels fall off and then say, hey, what happened? I mean, I, that that's the part that kind of puzzled me on how he's reacted to this. It's like, but then again, it's kind of like when you're frustrated and you know things are going wrong, that's the last thing you want to hear asked, answer a question to, especially on things you know that's going wrong. Yeah, and I mean, you could tell the, the frustration's there, and I truly don't think that he needed to come back and apologize for it. Um, you know, he got the question that he may not want to have been asked, but you, you've got to expect that question's going to come. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those, and you know, if they had gone out there and won, um, just say 56 to six, whatever, you wouldn't miss You wouldn't have had those questions, mm-hmm. um, but you didn't. So you're going to have to answer up to it. Uh, you know, I know after game one, there was a lot of talk of, Oh, I think that Arkansas could beat LSU. Um, I don't know, because even with what, you know, LSU had to open up their whole, or I'm not going to say their whole playbook, but, you know, they came in playing Florida State, who is now ranked fourth in the country. And then they turned around last or yesterday and hung 70-plus on Kennesaw State or whoever. But that's what they're supposed to do. They weren't mm-hmm. struggling. So I, I look at yesterday as, you know, we took a step or two back. And, you know, we had these questions, all the hype of the offensive line and, oh, the depth chart set and all. No, there was some speculation. There were some questions about this, the offensive line, and I'm, we're now seeing that it is not as solid as it seemed to have been two weeks ago. Yeah, and you got BYU coming in, you know, 6.30, you know, on Saturday. And, you know, they've played – Sam Houston and Southern Utah. I mean, they they blew out Southern Utah 41-16 and then had a squeaker of a game against Sam Houston 14-0. But, you know, this is going to be a high-powered passing offense. I mean, L.J. Martin is their leading rusher right now with only 119 yards on 22 attempts. They've only ran the ball 57 times this season, opposed to they've thrown the ball – Keaton Slovis has um, 493 yards passing and four touchdowns. On they're averaging um, 21 points off of, tur- or they have a total of 21 points off of turnover. So mm-hmm. 
I know this is going to be a closer game than what we thought at the beginning of the season. Um, I was thinking this could be 21-point game. And I thought mm-hmm. that, like I said, progressing into the LSU game, you got to really put your foot down. And it still could be. Arkansas finds its groove. This could be a blowout. But they have to find their groove. They have to block. They have to set the edge. They have to set the tone because I'm telling you right now, this can't turn into another season where you're you're living and dying off your defense and hoping you can win off 21 points a game. You can't do that. You're not going to do that this year in the SEC. No. And, I mean, it's hard to – you know, you look at the national rankings and it's hard to say, you know, who's, gonna, who's where after two games – uh, when it comes to stats, but you know, total yards per game, um, BYU's at 110th with 325.5 yards per game. You know, Arkansas's only at 98, so it's not that much different. Yeah. Um, coming in on the defense, I mean, points allowed were 14th at nine and a half. They're uh, 10th with eight points per game allowed. So, but you know, a lot of that's just your competition. Yeah, exactly. And um, go ahead. No, uh, no it's. I think it's either going to be one of those games that is close. I, I'm still chalking it up a win. Um, it's either going to be close and ugly, or at some point Arkansas will break it open. Yeah, finally, because yeah. this this running around of um, oh we haven't opened up the whole playbook or we haven't this we haven't that. I'm, that's when you're struggling. You can't like you said you can't run your base offense and defense. Um, you don't need to open things up. You shouldn't be having – I mean, it's – if you can't do that, why are we talking about opening things up when we can't even do the basics? Yeah. But then again, it's like, all right, when do you start working on that? When when do you open up the playbook? You you can't just wait till LSU game to open up your playbook. You can practice this all day long, but you're going to have to practice in a game setting. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, that's the thing. So, I think this BYU game, we're going we're gonna to see more – Rushing, we're going to see more blitzes. We're, I hope we see more because you can't, again, cruise through these first three games and then just jump right into the deep end against LSU. Whether how LSU's been playing or not, that's irrelevant because the talent and you know the strength of of this LSU game. You because I'll tell you what, if you're running the ball and you're getting negative 11, 30 yards rushing in the half. Uh, what's that going to be against LSU? Where are you going to be? Are you going to be down 21 nothing? I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to establish things and, yes, get, get things going because when you're opening up your playbook too late in the season, you, you're, all, all it takes is, especially against LSU, and you look at that four-game stretch, one turnover could cost you the game. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. bring in a new playbook or you start getting cued and opening things up when they haven't really run the reps in a game time speed setting, that that could cost them, be costly when it comes to game time. Yeah, and one thing that I don't think we've seen yet, um, and it's kind of goes hand in hand with what we saw in the Alabama-Texas game last night, is, um, you know, like last night I didn't see Milrow. He was just always taking deep shots. Um, didn't really seem like he was getting anything over the middle. And I feel like it's been that same way for KJ. Um, I, we haven't used the tight ends. I mean, I know that Haas got three catch yesterday for 26 yards, but they have the tight ends have not been utilized for what I thought um, would happen with the talent that we have there. 
and then bringing in Morgan from Stanford as a coach in the tight ends. Yeah. I just thought we were going to see a different dimension or get back to, um, you know, how things were when Arkansas was considered tight end you um, for those years. I just, I, I expected to see more over the middle, um, some slants, some whatever, you know, I expect to see Tesla a lot more over the middle versus deep shots, which, I mean, you're going to throw, if he's got somebody beat on speed, obviously you're going to throw him out there, but I just expected to see a lot more over the middle from him. Well, yeah. And, and here, this is what I brought, you bring up a good point because I'm telling you right now, if you're not running slants, that the linebackers are going to be able to cheat up and box box you up. If you start running slants, now the linebackers at least have to back up a little bit and respect the slant. It all goes back to what we were talking about preseason of mm-hmm. respecting the passing game of Arkansas and the three, you know, the facets of the game: deep ball, your slants, or your outs, and then your tight ends. You got to be able to have your slot guys running slants. You got to be able. And one last topic. If he's not able to throw on the run and he's really struggling on those short throws like that, mm-hmm. you're not running those routes. You've got to get that timing down. So I, I, I hope that we see a totally different game because this is – and I hate even saying this because I know it's kind of too early and it might be an overreaction on, on a Sunday evening, but this BYU game could be one of the most important games telling where this team's at. You know, was was you know, are they really going to kick it in gear? Are they really going to show us who they are on Saturday, and really stomp BYU and really put their foot down and and hold them to fourteen points. I mean, that this is a kind of a statement game. I I know it's BYU, but you got to look moving forward where you're going to have to treat this like a Kent State Western Carolina game because look, just like I said last week or the week before, I can't remember which. If you're in a four quarter battle against BYU. And you've got that four-game stretch coming up. That I'm telling you, and all of them are on the road. That's going to be brutal. That, I mean, they need to really put their foot down and really get this game out of hand. They need to take control of this game. O-line's got to block because they need to really prepare. Not look ahead, but mm-hmm. you kind of got to if you're looking ahead in that SEC schedule. Yeah, because I know that we both said that you know the BYU game was – kind of the final dress rehearsal before you get into SEC play. It's where you don't have any more questions. You figure out who's starting here, who's moving here, and now it's there's still just so many questions. Um, you know, I know yesterday I think the quote from Pittman was that the O-line wasn't the reason we weren't running. Um, and I'm just kind of – I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, we're seeing too many defenders – pushing our guys back. Um, it doesn't seem like on some of their pools that they're pulling quick enough. I mean, I, I just don't know um, if they're, you know, just running basic, basic walking schemes that they're almost a half step too slow with it. Yeah. And, but that goes back to what we were talking about was, you know, you should be able to fire off the line and push these guys back. The talent, you're looking at the talent, you know. And that's where I draw the line of, one, I can understand maybe a a drive or a series here and there where you're kind of not taking off, but you just don't have your best. But there's got to be a time where you got to get get some fire. you got to get some mm-hmm. some push. You've, you've got to get to the, th- the place where you're like, all right, enough's enough of this. Yeah. We're playing like crap. That's where you want you see those games that okay we're done playing around with them it's 
21-7 at the half and then let's turn it into a 66-17 game. That's what should have happened yesterday. Things are going to happen. You're going to, especially with this new clock thing, it's going to happen. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go to a quick break. After the break, we will continue our conversation and we'll talk about all the other things going around in the SEC. We'll catch you after the break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our Harris history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast. And going around the SEC, we're talking about, you know, the, the struggles that were with the SEC. And I tell you what. Um, I, I don't know where you want – if you want to talk about, you know, the um, Alabama-Texas game. I know we kind of touched on it, but, man, what happened? Or you would talk about a team that keeps on saying they're there and they're not. But, man, for Texas A&M to get beat by Miami the way they are, and I will kind of – if I if I have any chance, I know the whole Club Dub video after the, the win yesterday don't help my case any, but – uh, you know, ACC is kind of 4-1 and one against the SEC right now. So, I mean, if we, we're going to talk about some, some moral victories, um, man, I, I, I don't know what is happening with the SEC this year. And there's, there's struggles. I mean, it's, it's, it really is crazy. 
It is. It's it's kind of baffling, uh, you know, that same group chat with some buddies. The question has been raised numerous times over the last couple of, couple of days of what is going on in the SEC. Uh, I don't have an answer. I mean, even when you go down the ranks and you look at, um, you know, Mizzou beat Middle Tennessee State yesterday by four points. And then, I mean, the losses that have happened, it's just, it's weird. Um, I don't want to hang my hat on um, how the end of the season's going to go, like with when it comes to the playoff and what's going to happen with Georgia or even what's going to happen with Bama or whoever the rest of the year. But it is a weird time, especially in the early stages when these games, besides some of your top conference versus conference matchups like you've had in the years past, like this year and last year with LSU and Florida State, you know, some of the big ranked matches. Um, it, there are some games out there. It's just been dreadful to watch, um, even whether you're a fan or not. Well, if you look at the most three marquee games, I mean, you know, Florida State beating LSU, Texas A&M getting beat Miami, and then, of course, Texas beating Alabama. It's like those those juggernauts or that top other than I'm going to throw Georgia out of it because they don't play anybody they never have and they finally yeah. will next year you know and and that's it's kind of that's the way it is so I mean but you even look at Tennessee I mean 30 to 13 against Austin P. and I know South Carolina ended up routing Furman but there for a while you want to think Kentucky only won by like seven or ten or something like that yes that I was so. looking at that right yeah Eastern but Kentucky, Eastern there it Kentucky. Is. So I know so, if I mean, you want a lot look of these the games are going into. I mean, they're even some of these blowout or higher scoring games for the SEC. They're starting off super slow. That it's taken until the third, fourth quarter for these teams to pull away. And some of, the, and I don't know what, what's going on. I, I don't know if it's. Uh, um, collectively how they're doing the training, how, you know, are they starting later? Are they start, you know, Auburn barely beating Cal, you know, 14-10. Um, again, Mississippi State holding on to beat Arizona 31-24. So we're seeing a lot of – it's just something, I guess, what we're not used to. We're not used to seeing the SEC struggle because all we hear is, you know, SEC's the best and th- there's, there's a strong argument that they're not the best as of right now. But well, I don't know who would 18, take the place. Eight teams from the Pac-12 are in the top 25 now. You know, that's tied for the most in with the SEC having eight teams at one time. Um, and, you know, they they don't even have two teams that are going to be in the conference next year, but they got eight ranked right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you even look at the transfer portal. Um, these guys that aren't getting to play at, Georgia or at Bama or at wherever. And so they're, they don't want to wait one to three years to play there. So they're finding a school that's going to let them play here and now. And we're starting to see people open with open arms saying, come to us. And we're, we're seeing them go. And, and when we started in on this whole NIL and the transfer portal team, you look at the teams that are trying to be stubborn and try to do things their own way and not take advantage of whatever you think that your name's going to get you. Clemson. Clemson and Alabama. I mean, but yeah. you look at the top two. You look five years ago. Clemson and Alabama, four years in a row, were having a battle 
you know, of who was the national champion in, in the college football playoff and meeting in the semifinals of the national championship game. You know, Alabama beat them twice and Clemson beat them twice, you know, and then you see Georgia come in, win back-to-back. And, yes, they haven't – I mean, a lot of people are, like, still – I say in a sense disrespecting them, but it's not disrespect because you can't – they've won back-to-back national championships, but it's almost like you can't, in essence, you, you're playing – because you got to talk about, you know, when Clemson had their run. Everybody's talking about playing an ACC schedule. Well, that's the only reason why. Well, that's what Georgia's done. Georgia's mm-hmm. played the same kind of schedule. Outside of Tennessee – or outside of Georgia, the SEC East is the ACC. So we got to mm-hmm. hold them to that standard. I know that makes Georgia fans mad, but it is what it is. You call it's gotta call a, you got to call a spade a spade. But now that's all that's what's holding on to this conference is Georgia because we've seen other teams struggle, you know. And and so when all of them struggling, you're looking at these high powered offenses, and you thought you know Texas A and M's going to set the world on fire. And I mean, but. What does, does that say other teams are finally catching up? Because look at Colorado. I think they said in the Colorado TCU game that um, all the touchdowns that were scored in that game were by transfer portal players. And if you look at the game, you know, Colorado mm-hmm. put it on Nebraska. I, I don't know what more they've got to do to get more respect. I know they're the, fan, they're the darlings. I know they're the darlings and everybody – wants to see them win, but there's still very few that thought they were going to win yesterday. Media-wise. Because I'll tell you this right now. So here's my question, and maybe this is what Colorado is going to have to do, or it's what they're doing right now. It's like every game so far, and I know there's only been two, but there's been a – what's like a, a revenge factor to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been somebody wronged me. Somebody said something about my dad. Some coach didn't look at my son. And so it's like, I, and I'm not saying those aren't legit reasons or legit things, but you're having, you're going into all these games. I mean, it, and it's working for them with this chip on your shoulder, whether it's made up or not, you're right. just, you know, it's like, well, that coach disrespected my dad. So I'm coming out to show him something. And, and then, then the that's what before, Michael Jordan did. And a, lot of, a lot of the stock doesn't come up until after the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just makes me wonder. Yeah. Oh, I, I get it. And, and here's the deal. You, when you're the underdog and you're, you're, tr- you're going to hold on to any little thing, bulletin board material that you can, that's only going to get you to the top, right? All right. So once you get to the top, what do you have? What, what do you have that's going to keep you at the top? That, that's where, you know, Nick Saban come up that rat poison and, and really, you know, the players are buying into this and that rat poison. Well, that's going to get you so far because what's going to happen when you do play a USC and if you happen to get blown out? I mean, they're going to end up losing a game. They're not going to go undefeated. But what, you know, that's what's, you know, it, it's all cool. And I, I'm riding the train. I want, it, I want them to win. I want, you know, to see Dion have success there. But I want to see what happens after they lose the game. That's really going to show me. You can keep saying these things, and Michael Jordan said it best. We can always talk crap when we're up three nothing or we're up four nothing. Where was that talk at when we were behind and coming back? And I think yeah. that's what's really going to happen when they get beat. How are they going to respond? Like when I get say get beat, say they get beat by twenty one by USC. 
How are they going to respond to that? Deflating that balloon and really humbling them. Not hum, I guess, yeah, humbling them per se. Humbling, but, yeah. And and seeing how they respond. And that's how you you right there, you could tell how a team is. And I and that's mm-hmm. where last year with Arkansas, I thought they were going to have so much promise. And 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 when they got that win, and then you've seen the last couple of games down the stretch, it's just like they kept on going to these roller coasters, and it's like you want to see them be able to bounce back from adversity and, and kind of run the table the rest of the way and have a seven, eight, nine. You know, you're not losing these two point games to Liberty and losing these games to Missouri. You know, that's what I want to see out of Arkansas is keep getting better. I want to see next week making up for their performance last week and getting better against BYU. Oh, yeah, and just one more touch on Coach Prime and Colorado, and that's probably all I'll say about them, <laughs> is um, I know a lot of people are rubbed the wrong way by the success or um, how Deion Sanders approaches things, but what, what he's doing and what Colorado's done, um, in my opinion, it's good for college football. Um, him succeeding like he is is good for college football. I look at the landscape of football, and even like Miami beating Texas A&M yesterday, when Miami is good, college football is better. Exactly. Um, and it's like you've heard years past when Arkansas is on the up and up that a lot of your national uh, media outlets all agree when Arkansas is better, mm-hmm. college football. You know, it's these are just those teams that when they are better, um, you know, Football as a whole is better, and Dion. And I'm not saying Colorado is one of those teams, but what just what Dion is doing, his presence is is good for the sport. It's getting eyes on team that nobody was looking at before. So that's just another team that has vested interest from the the outside world. Um, but you know, I don't know. Going into BYU, I mean, whether these guys want to go in with a chip on their shoulder or look at the past couple of games or especially just yesterday's game and just I, I mean disgusted maybe I don't know if that's the right word with how they performed in some aspects I don't, I don't know what kick in the pants that they need yeah um, so they've got to find something um, before Saturday and I and that's the thing I agree with you I don't think they need an outside motivation they should be able to motivate themselves enough to be like all right this is what we need change you know, mm-hmm. that's what the preseason's for. I think that's what, you know, your preseason and fall camp, summer camp, all these, you know, practices, that's where it comes time to you do the work, you do the practicing. If you're going into these games and you're an SEC team and you're struggling against Kent State, you should be able to motivate yourself to turn things around next week and really put it on BYU. I don't think there should be a, a coach speech from, you know, Sam Pittman or bring in a former player or motivate. You should – you shouldn't have to motivate them to go out and beat BYU. Yeah, and I mean, if anything, you've got to protect your house because you went to BYU's last year and beat them. Mm-hmm. So if anything, BYU's coming into your house with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. So you've you've got to be ready for potentially a dogfight. I hope it's not, but BYU's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder for what Arkansas did last year. If you, if you let BYU come in. And, and you give them that motivation of that inkling of BYU comes in, 
they're overlooking us. We're going to prove it to them that they shouldn't overlook us. They shouldn't sleep on mm-hmm. us. They're looking ahead to Texas A&M or LSU. You give them that fire and you give them the talent that they have, this is a Power 5 school. This isn't some cupcake team that you should have blown out 45 to 10. Yeah, you'll be in a dogfight. And if you're in a dogfight in this game, I don't know what that's going to do to their – when we're talking about the, their motivation and, you know, not only physically but mentally, what is that going to do to them knowing that they had to play a hard-fought four-quarter game and you can't help but look ahead of those next four games and what what's that going to do to your – you preparing for, for for those games, you know that's that's why I really emphasize the fact that they need to come out, take care of business, and and really hold on and let their offense come up because their defense is playing good. You know their defense mm-hmm. is their bright spot, and they keep playing the way they are against BYU defensively. They're going to hold them, but you know I, I don't want it to be where Arkansas has got to have to win. You know they have to score thirty five. 38 points to win this to win the game. Now they, win, yeah. you know, that's what I'm getting at on that. You know, and I really, you know, questioned the yesterday. If, were they already looking ahead when they came into this game? Possibly. Um, and and I think to an extent that's a possibility until we see kind of the same offensive line issues that mm-hmm. we saw the prior week. So I don't think it's necessarily them looking ahead. I just think it's they, whatever the issues are, they haven't figured it out yet. And and that could all be there. And this is where another little silver lining of that run attack is. Maybe it's because you think their their pass blocking's been great. And I said that mm-hmm. last week. Okay, that kind of gives me hope that their run blocking is going to be be okay. They're going to finally come around to it. But you look how AJ Green looked. That you know, you're not giving it to a rocket that's just going to try to barrel through these holes. You got you a shifty back right there in in um, AJ Green, and I think you got to give him a lot more touches. Let him be that primary back because, again, when we look at matchups, how does this team match up? Just because you put your second guy in there doesn't mean that he's not the he's not a starter because he is. It's just all yeah, about and, the matchup. You know, one thing, like talking about um, using guy or using the tight ends, using guys over the middle, and what you know, I kind of thought we might see Satania used a little yeah. more on the offensive side, whether it be over the middle or deep. I mean, because we already know he has track speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's on record. But you know, just think back to the. Um, Deion Stewart, Jared Cornelius, and the end arounds, and the, I mean some of the little guess gadget plays, but those as fast as those guys were, I mean they worked in a pinch. Yeah, well, and it just gave you a different element to your offense. And when you have Tesla, you know you got a mm-hmm. you've got a sure guy that you can take chances. Now you you that's the one for sure thing now that when we talked about th- this team this year and, and KJ having a guy that he can go to Haas he he looked promising like if mm-hmm. you need a tight end he was making some good catches you know when you look at you know Tesla he's that guy that I mean when he drops a pass I mean like he he really takes it to heart and you know I think he got away with or they got away with a little uh, pass interference that's on the play fair. that he did drop but. I mean, there's a lot of bright spots. I know we've talked about uh, – it, it almost seems like we're talking like they lost the game, but in a game that when you only win 28-6, it's almost like you're treating it as a loss because it, you should have done better. And I, I've always been one to hold on to the hope, all right, let's see how they do. But it's – you know, now it's 
because it's so this year is so important. You know, this is the year because look, I know I'm not. We don't know for sure what Jacoby's going to be next year, but you you got you know what you have now, and you mm-hmm. can't if you're wanting to really say that you've got two Heisman hopefuls or two what you want to call all American guys in your backfield. You can't treat this. We can't go back to the days where you had Darren McFadden and you're going six and six, seven and six. You got to sit there, and you, you've got to make this an eight nine one year and carry on that momentum because you've got guys that you've got committed, but they ain't signed on that dotted line yet who are looking at this. And that's one big thing to me is these guys that were. I mean, I know we're high up on these twenty five and twenty six commits, but that's a long time between now and then, and you string together a four or five game, I mean, losses in a row. I mean, some of these guys are going to see that and just be like, you know what? Um, I'm going to open up my recruiting again. And I think that, you know, they've got to stay at eight plus wins to keep these guys, uh, especially when they're that far out. So um, I think that we're at a point, especially getting these guys that we've gotten so far and, 2025 and 2026 like you you can't take steps back like this and and the transfer portal too mm-hmm. how, how much of that what you've been able to kind of take away from the transfer portal and benefit from that of yeah i can go and maybe become a better player maybe get drafted at arkansas well texas is coming to the league what, look what they just done look what sarts done there in a couple few years there at texas mm-hmm. look at catalan i mean as bad as that would look Dominic, Jordan Dominic at Colorado. Mm-hmm. He was one of the bright, shining stars on defense yesterday for Colorado. It was all over the place. I think he had a yeah. sack, forced fumble, or, or he played a real key part in that um, defense yesterday. But when you look at these guys who are going to other places, and they're doing just as – I mean, that could start to pick on when Pittman starts calling these guys in the transfer portal. Are they going to start going to other places? Yeah, because, I mean, and that's one thing, like, you know, I was thinking about it last night during the games and seeing Catalan up there and Herb Street was talking about him. And, you know, I'm just – this, of course, is in, like, the first or second quarter, but I'm like, wouldn't it be something oh. for Catalan to have been here yep. and never to have beaten Bama and then to go there and get it, yep. and he did. I know, and it's, it's tough because, you know, you always – and because he it was who he was. He was the captain. It, yeah, he was wholeheartedly. That's the tough pill to swallow in any other school. It was Texas. So on top of your guy now gets to say he beat Bama and he went to Texas. I mean, that's that can have a lingering effect on the recruiting and the transfer portal years to come. But I mean, that's why I again, my last thought on it for this this show is we got to turn things around against BYU. We got to. I mean, you can't make this a four quarter game. And you've got to put your foot down and really, when you have them, don't let them have any chance of coming back. Get, you know, and, and make this where you're playing maybe three and three quarters and get your guys out, get them healthy, and get them ready for this next four four weeks after, after the BYU game. Yeah, this is definitely a game I think you have to come into and just scream um, – dominance yeah. and just force and everything else just to show show yourself who you are but show everybody else that you know maybe yesterday was just a fluke yeah 
Well, well, we're going to start with a new format. We usually go an hour on our shows, but we have some kind of things that may be coming up for the Hog Talk podcast coming up in the future. We kind of teased a little bit about it of what we might be able to do. So from here moving forward on our hour-long shows, we're going to be cutting them down to 48 minutes, and then we're going to be doing multiple shows throughout the week. And, and cutting those down to 24 minutes. So we're not going to be able to do the hour-long shows. And, and when we know those details and we can share them, uh, likely here in the next couple of months we'll be able to share that with you. But, Adam, if you got anything else, man, I'll wrap it up. No, just enjoy the cooler weather that is finally coming upon us. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. For Adam Hall, I am Porter Hayes. And we will catch you this week with another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.